So good to see all of you here this morning. As Brian mentioned, today is All Generations Worship Sunday. So kids and students, we welcome you and all the parents. Again, it's okay for the kids to cry and squirm. If you need to move around, it's all good. But we do have live video feed in the Hunt Center area. But so glad that all of our kids are here with us this morning. And if you have been with us throughout this summer, we have been going through a series on gaining wisdom. And we've been looking at book of Proverbs. And Proverbs, and we're finding out that Proverbs is for people like us. It has all these practical applications on how to apply God's word in our lives. And, and the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about our friendships, our relationships. How do we spend money about our future? How do we converse with others? And, and all, out of all the things that Proverbs talks about, the most common theme in the book of Proverbs is about the wise use of our words. How we say what we say. One out of every six verse in Proverbs is about the use of words. Now, we see words everywhere, do we not? We are bombarded with words. Words on the screen, words on the page, words on uh, the billboards, words that are sung like today, words that are shouted. The, the, I think the World Cup, women's soccer is happening right now as we speak. Uh, words that we feel in pain. Words are everywhere. And all of us feel in words. Do you remember when iPhone first came out with Siri and you spoke to your phone for the first time and Siri spoke back to you? There was a romance, right? You heard it for the first time go, wow, this is cool. And over time, you recognize, well, this word recognition te technology is not that sophisticated. It's, it's fun, right? It's fun. So like this week, I asked my Siri to tell me a joke. So this is real Siri joke as of this week. Hey, Siri, tell me a joke. Joke is, how do you make an octopus laugh? Answer, with tentacles. With tentacles, right? Now, I, I know that's silly, right? Because the, the, the level of sophistication isn't there with Siri. So here's what I decided to do. I decided to ask ChatGPT the same question, similar question, a, a joke. Now, if you don't know what ChatGPT is, you could ask a teenager near you. It's incredible how with increased function in machine language and uh, artificial intelligence, the, the, the world of words is rapidly changing. It's very complex. So I asked ChatGPT to tell me a Presbyterian joke. No kidding, right? So, ChatGPT, tell me a Presbyterian joke, and the question was this, let's see. How do Calvinists set off their fireworks? Response, pre-detonation, right? <laughs> this, this happened. This, this, this is real ChatGPT, they're gonna take over the world. Did you know, by the way, that teenage girls have led in innovation and disruption when it comes to words? According to Smithsonian Magazine, it's, it's a, a female teenage gal, teenage girls, right? You guys are the disruptors of language. According to University of Chicago, 90% of linguistic changes are done by women. So all these words and stylish words and new words are created by women. So let me share some of the most popular words in 2023. Some of these words that we've known for a while, but these are the words that we use, our young people use. And if you know the definition, I'm going to give you the word. If you know the definition, just shout it out to me. You ready for this? First, slay. 
cool. That's right. It means cool. All right. Next word. Bussin. Good. Amazing. That's right. That's exactly right. How about this one? Drip. It's not coffee, old people. Okay. Drip, stylish, like you could say, well, Brian Dunnigan has like dripping shoes. He's a preacher in sneakers, right? Uh, millennials, we have swag. Gen Z, they have drip. Last one. Stan. These are creepy people. You have, uh, you have uh, stalker plus fan that equals Stan, right? All right, so words are fun, aren't they? And they're important. And again, one of the central themes of Proverbs is how we use our tongues, our words. Many of you know that passage from James. It goes like this. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. So here's what I'd like for you to do. All right. In count of three, I want everyone to stick out your tongue for a moment, right? One, two, three. Uh, okay, all right, good. Feel, touch it for a second. Uh, okay, thank you for doing that for me. Did you know, do you know that uh, average human-sized tongue is about three inches long? It is the most powerful instrument in the world. It is a concealed weapon that you have. Wars are started because of use and misuse of your words and your tongue. Marriages are divided. Denominations and religions are split over the use of words. So if we can really understand how God has created us as human beings to use our words, use our words well in a very wise way, it can change our relationships. It can change our nation state and how nations relate to one another. So here's what I'm going to do today. There are many principles that I could pull out from the book of Proverbs on words, but I'm going to just share one singular truth, one truth today. So our anchor verse comes from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. So please turn with me, Proverbs 18, verse 21, and it goes like this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So here's the single truth. Words are a life and death issue because words are powerful. Let me say that again. Words are a life and death issue because words are powerful. So think about this way. Think about how, how God created the universe. The way God created the universe was not with hammer and chisel making things, right? God spoke and the universe was created. In Genesis, in the beginning, let there be light and the world just happened. All the most of the miracles of Jesus were done by God, his spoken words. Jesus spoke and, and the lame men walked. Jesus spoke and storms stopped. He said, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out from the grave. And here's a dead man walking out of the grave. Words are truly life and death issue for us. So going back to Proverbs 18 and 21, here's what King Solomon says. That when he says death and life are in the power of the tongue, what he means is that words can be used to help people thrive and flourish, but at the same time, words can hurt us. It can kill our soul. A, a, a companion Proverbs to uh, chapter 18 is Proverbs 12, verse 18. It goes like this. 
There's one whose rash words are like a sore thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And, and the idea here is that how rash words, now rash words are foolish words. Rash words are words that can hurt other people. They're like sore thrusts. They can cut you and they can really hurt you. You know how um, if you get a cut accidentally, it can leave a scar? That happened to me this past February during the ice storm. I was taking out the trash and I thought, there's no way I'm going to fall, right? There's no way I'm going to fall. I'm a, I'm a strong guy and I intentionally, I was gingerly walking really low to the ground. So if I did fall, I mean, like, it's only two feet, right? Taking two bags of trash in the alleyway. And I guess I didn't see the black guys. I guess you're not supposed to see the black guys. My feet fell under, my legs are lifted. And trying to brace myself, I put my right hand on top of the trash bag. I did not know there was a piece of glass in the trash bag. And I cut myself and started bleeding. And I'm one of those guys that, I don't know what the medical terminology is, but when I see my own blood, I faint, right? <laughs> so when I, give, when I donate blood, I, I never look at my own blood. So here I am, I'm bleeding. Lisa takes me to the emergency room. Nine stitches later, I, I'm healed. Now, obviously, the ice storms are gone. Um, the trash has been taken out. But you can still see the stuff scar uh, on my hand, right? And Solomon says words, rash word, hurtful words are like that. The wound is still visible. It's not like a paper cut. It's deeper than that. It doesn't just happen to you. It happens in you. The cut stays with you. And I think experientially, we can all, we all know what we're talking about here, right? Because I remember my mid-20s, and I was dating this gal, and I thought this was a person that I'm going to marry, and we're doing long-distance dating. I quit my work, pack all my bags, six weeks out before moving, and I, I told all my you know, family members and friends where I was moving, and I get a call from her. And she goes on the other line, Jay, we need to talk. And I knew that with those words, it wasn't going to be good. And I said, okay, let's talk. I think we spoke for about an hour or so. And I don't exactly remember anything that she said during those times, but I do remember this one particular sentence where she said, Jay, you're just not funny. You're boring. <laughs> We're not compatible. You're laughing. It hurt me. It was dagger to my soul. Think about this. 25 years later, I still remember what she said, right? We all have word wounds, and we've all been wounded by words of others. Like, you know, just like real physical scars where you could see, if we're able to see all the word wounds that we have, I've been that we can, I can go around this room and ask you, oh, yeah, tell me about that scar. Oh, yeah, well, tell me, that's, that's really deep. What is that about? And you may respond by saying, yeah, you know, that's the time when uh, my, my dad told me that he was ashamed of me. And he's very disappointed in me. Oh, how about that wound? Oh, that's, that's the time when my adult daughter told me that she does not le uh, love me anymore. And I have not spoken to her. Oh, yeah, how, how about that? That, that wound is pretty, pretty deep. Oh, that's, that's that embarrassing name that I was called when I was in fifth grade. And as silly as it sounds, even as an adult, I'm trying, still trying to work that out and prove him wrong. 
All of us have word wounds. Words are powerful. And yes, death is in the power of a tongue, but here's what I want you to see. So too is life. Words are redemptive. Words are healing. Word brings incredible blessing over people. Listen to Proverbs 16:24. Gracious words like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. And just like how we can go around this room and talk about our hurts and pains, I bet we can go around this room and talk about how words have brought all kinds of healing to our soul. Some of you can say, I remember that day when I was put back together because this person said those words to me. Or, or I really needed to hear those words that went through my ears down to my soul because you and I have the power to speak kind and compassionate words to build one another up, Ephesians chapter 4. And, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, Life Together, he said this, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. So here's what he's saying. Bonhoeffer is saying that when my sister in Christ says encouraging words to me, or when my brother in Christ says good and gracious words to me that aligns with the word of God, their words are so much stronger and sweeter to me than any words that I can say to myself. You know all these words that we have that swirl in our mind, these negative thoughts, things that you say to yourself, that's not really true, that you're the only one who believes about that? Those words are canceled out when the community of people, these wise, loving, gracious people speak the words of Christ over you. It brings healing. It becomes like a honeycomb, so sweet to us. So now, now I get it. Not every word that we say is a healing word, and not every word that we say is a hurting word. But I think you would agree with me that um, if we're not careful, we can be discipled by our world to speak foolish words, because that's what we see in our public discourse, especially in the political arena. And we could really use hostile words. And yes, words are important. What we say is important. But I would, t I would tell you that. I would submit to you that the tone is just as important. It's not just what you say, but how you say what you say is just as important. Because the wisdom of God reminds us that as Christians, our speech should be distinct from the world around us. Ray Orlin, from his book, Wisdom That Works, says this. When we become Christians... We enter a new culture where we surrender the right to stop saying whatever we feel, and we bring our words under the judgment of God's words. In other words, as followers of Jesus, we are supposed to surrender our rights to say whatever we want, whenever we want, or whenever we feel. We surrender that right because, because of God, what God has done for us, because we have been called to speak life and not death. We can't stab people with our words. And let me just tell you um, one way. Again, we could pull out many applications from the book of Proverbs. Let me just tell you one way how words can be a life-giving to other people. So here it is. Speak less. Reduce 
your words. I know it's dangerous for a preacher to say this, right? Speak less. Listen more. Proverbs 10:19 says this. Too much talking leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. NLT translation. If you like to talk too much, if you like to babble on, now I'm not talking about good conversationalists. I have friends who are incredible uh, conversationalists and they know how to give and take and ask questions and pause and listen and ask you questions. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people who they like to just talk and talk and talk and give no opportunity for the other person to, to speak. And they're not really listening to what other people are saying. The chances are you can get yourself in trouble, Scripture says. But if you have the discipline and restraint over your word, wisdom is found there. Look at this one, Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. So here's what this says. If you want to look really smart, smart, don't say much, right? If you want your perceived IQ to go up by 50 or 75 points, just, just be silent. You just look smarter by not saying anything. And, and so learning what not to say is actually a skill that wise people have developed. Smart people, wise people, they know when not to speak. They know when not to give their opinions. They know how to hold back. This is a, a discipline and skill that wise people know how to, how, how to do. And it's not so much that Proverbs is asking us and wanting us to be all a bunch of silent, standoffish people who rarely speak. No, no. God is wanting us to speak in a judicious way, being very prudent in how we talk to one another. So don't monopolize conversations allow others to speak, listen well, don't always try to have the last word, don't gossip, even if it's disguised as a prayer request, don't do that. Everyone longs to be heard. Everyone wants to be understood. And let me speak to the parents for a moment. You know, one of the things that I'm learning as my kids are growing up is that as kids get older, the more I talk, the less they listen. Is that true? Is that your experience in parenting? Now, I thought parenting was hard during birth through elementary years, right? I thought it was really hard, right? Because you have to, like, you can't get sleep, and they're teething, and you have to wipe their nose, and you have to wipe their other parts, and just a lot, it's, it's hard, but I'm, I'm learning that parenting gets more complex as teenagers uh, develop independence, and they turn into monsters. It gets very complicated. And yes, parenting does involve lots of conversations with our kids, right? We, we need to talk about their, their, their friendships and hear their dreams and concerns and fears, and we should talk to them. But when it comes to the actual parenting, correcting, teaching, training, and discipline, less talking is better. And let me tell you why I say this. Because in the heat of the moment, there are things that we say as parents, oftentimes that we can't take it back. Because what you say to your kids is going to frame how they view themselves. So if you constantly talk about their grades to your kids, and you're going to build up a child who seeks to please you based on performance. And kids will start thinking that way. And if, you hear, if your child hears you bragging about him or her 
based on their athletic success. That's, if that's the only time you brag about your kids to other people, the kids will pick up on that. And they'll see that in parents. And they're going to think that your affection is dependent on their athletic success. You fill in the blank, music success, dance, arts. And so let us be wise with our words, our posture, how, how we, what kind of conversations that we have with people. Because after all, because at the end of the day, what God cares about is not how we conduct our speech. It's not about just cleaning up our speech. But he wants to change our hearts. He wants to be the kind of people where we bring life-giving words to others. And I'll end with this. It's from Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. And I'm going to use uh, Eugene Peterson's message version. I, I, like what he's, I like his interpretation. Here's what he writes. Earlier, there were a lot of priests, for they died and had to be replaced. But Jesus' priesthood is permanent. He's there from now to eternity to save everyone who comes to God through him. Always on the job to speak up for them. Now, there's a lot going on there, but I wanted to, you to see this image here. Jesus, as a high priest, meaning he is the great advocate, in all eternity, that means right now, while we are in this sanctuary room, he is on his job, he's on the job speaking for us right now. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. He's saying the words of blessing to his Father over us to bring us healing and to encouragement. Jesus is always true. He never lies. Jesus is gentle. He's not harsh. Jesus himself is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the word made in flesh to dwell among us. He came from heaven to earth to be with us. And he wants to change our hearts. So if you've ever, you ever been hurt by words of others, I want you to know that Jesus knows this. Jesus knows every name that you have been called. And you may be still carrying the scars from the past, the wounds that no one else can see. I just want you to know that J Jesus knows all this. Jesus himself was, was pierced for you and me. And he surrendered his rights on the cross. He died for us. And before his death, he said these last words for us. He said, it is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And right now, even right now, at the right hand of God, Jesus is saying over us, I get to have the last word. And the last word is this. I declare you to be mine. You belong to me. You're my child. I love you. I love you. I love you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We have this image of your son Jesus interceding for us even now. And he's speaking into us, grace offering, shame, silencing words into our hearts. So teach us to use words wisely. Teach us to use our tongue as instruments of your grace. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.